This is the Serenity Beast Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hardy. Welcome to the program. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, I feel the need to kind of explain myself a little bit. And I can't talk about it now. There's something going on. Uh, those in my personal life may, may know what's good, what it is, but um, there will come a time in the near future where I will talk about it, and I will talk a lot about it. Um, but in the meantime, let me explain myself. Yes, I'm a real police officer. Yes, I'm a police officer in Northern California. I will never mention where I work, okay? Now, obviously, if you really wanted to work hard and figure it out, I'm sure you could probably track it down, but uh, I don't mention where I work. Why? Because I work for a sheriff's office. It's also against our policies to talk uh, on social media and identify who we work for because the sheriff is a politician, right? Any elected sheriff is. My opinions do not reflect him. I do not, I am not his representative, okay? Um, although I like my sheriff a lot, I think him and I would agree on a lot of things. Um, I can't speak for him. Um, and I don't, I'm not expected to, and I don't expect him to ask me to. Uh, so that's why I never mention it. Okay, he is his own entity. If you want to know about his opinions, you'd have to reach out to him. But anyways, backing up. <clears throat> so, a couple things in the news. Some of the stuff has been beaten to death by the mainstream media, uh, especially conservative media and stuff, but I'm still going to touch on it. And usually I try not to do that because I'm like, well, y'all heard about it. Let me try and find the other stories. Uh, I will get to the other stories as well. But I want to talk about something. I want to talk about this Inflation Reduction Act, uh, the one that was passed by the Senate. Now, here's what's in it. Here's what they're saying. And I kind of want to break down some of the big main things that come off. But one, they say the creation of a 15% corporate minimum tax rate. Okay. Let me tell you something. Inflation is not caused due to an increase or decrease in tax revenue for the government. Okay. That's not what causes inflation. Okay. So they created a minimum tax rate for corporations 15%. Now, here's why I'm against this. Now, a lot of people will look at it and be like, well, there's a big million-dollar, billion-dollar corporations, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they got the money, blah, blah. No, they don't. Okay, they don't. Corporations do not pay taxes. Their customers do. Okay, remember, crap runs downhill. And I usually, I've discussed this before. Let me take Walmart, for example. Walmart is a Multi-billion dollar corporation. Before Amazon, they're at, at one point the world's um, biggest employer. Okay? They have warehouses and stores all over. Okay? So, but Walmart is a publicly traded company. That's important. Because when you're a publicly traded company, the value of your company is based off the value of, well, it's value in the market. Excuse me. So, in order to increase or maintain its value for its shareholders, uh, Walmart has to demonstrate a certain level of um, um, profits, right? A certain percentage each year. Every quarter, they report their profits publicly for their shareholders to see how the company that they've invested in is doing. Now, if you're thinking, well, I still don't care about shareholders, if you, let me stop you right there. If you have a retirement plan, you may be one of those shareholders, Right? A big chunk of Americans are stock owners, whether they play the stock market directly or indirectly. They don't realize it, right? But if you have a pension plan or a 401k or some other retirement plan, you are a stock investor. Okay? And you may and your company that you that puts together your your um a retirement plan may actually have some Walmart stock. But again, this is all just a hypothetical example, right? So Walmart's a, a public and trade company, they have to maintain a certain profit margin. Okay, so 
they're not going to sit there and eat a 15% corporate tax. No, it's all part of their profits, right? When you sell a product, you have to purchase the product from wherever, okay? You give it a price based off the cost to purchase the product, the cost to get the product to your store, okay? And then you add a percentage on that to be your profit. They're also going to include, based off where you're at, the tax. Okay, why? Because they have a certain profit margin they need to meet. Okay, the best way to combat, to combat that is actually capitalism. Because the reason why Walmart's as cheap as it is is because Target exists. It's because Kmart exists. It's because other stores exist. Right? Walmart's trying to be the cheapest. Right? This is why capitalism is a good thing, in my opinion. Right? Because it breeds competition. And when there's companies competing, the customers win. So regardless, okay, corporate taxes is just a big, it's, it's stupid. It's a shame. It's a feel good. Right? You feel like you're sticking it to the man when you make a corporation pay taxes. But really, they're just turning around sticking it to their customers. Okay? That's something to keep in mind when you hear about politicians talking about corporate taxes and how high it should be. Okay? Uh, prescription, the other thing in this bill, prescription drug price reform. I'm not going to dive into that because I could do a whole show on that, but just understand that it was there. IRS tax enforcement. Let's talk about that. This is what pisses me off. So this is supposed to be inflation reduction bill. And again, I already explained that inflation has nothing to do with the amount of money the government makes from the people. Okay, think about that, right? If you're one of these people that says taxation is theft, then you probably get it. If you never said taxation is theft, I want you to think about it. Because every time money changes hands in this country, the government gets a piece of it. Every single time. You go buy gas, your government got a part. You work a job, government got a part. The government's not doing the work, you are, but the government's getting a part. And typically, this is acceptable because, as most people will throw out as an example, well, the schools, the public schools, the, the roads, you know, the signs, the maintenance, all those things, you know, the, the buildings, the parks, okay, fine. Okay, we get it. We understand why we pay taxes. Okay? I'm against overtaxation. <coughs> but anyways... <clears throat> so for some reason, to combat inflation, the Democrats put together this bill, and yes, some Republicans went along with it, that increases the IRS budget by 600%. Okay, that's an extra $80 billion to the IRS. Now remember, <coughs> remember, $45 billion was too much to build a wall. $5 billion was too much to build a wall. Right? $5 billion was too much to build a wall between us and Mexico to help out Border Patrol, to force people to go in through the front door. But $40 billion to Ukraine was not a big deal, and $80 billion to the IRS, for some reason, not a big deal. That's a 600% increase to their budget. Okay, that's adding about 87,000 employees. They currently have about 78,000 staffers. <clears throat> now, in comparison... <clears throat> Sorry, I can't get my throat clear today. In comparison, the Pentagon has 27,000 employees. The State Department has 77,000 employees. The FBI has 35,000 employees. The Border Patrol and Customs has about 19,000. But for some reason, they feel like the IRS needs to be pushing 170,000 employees. Now, let me tell you something. If you're thinking, oh, well, you know, there's tax fraud, millionaires, billionaires, all those things. Let me tell you something. If you take the top 2% of Americans and say these are the richest people, you're talking about 7 million Americans. Okay, in order to be defined as rich, your net assets or your, your net wealth has to be about 1.9 million. So that doesn't necessarily mean you have 
um, a million dollars in the bank, that just means you're worth about $1.9 million or above. Okay, so if you bought a house in the 90s at, for you know $500,000 because you're working as like a nurse and an engineer and a bunch of other things and you could afford that kind of house back in the 90s and now that house is worth pushing $2 million and you have it paid off, guess what? You're considered the top 2%. Okay, even if you don't have a million dollars in the bank, right? Even if you're living a modest life and you're still considering yourself middle class, right? Because you're worth that much. That's what they're calling 2%. So that's 7 million people, Okay. There's about 500 billionaires in this country. 500. Okay? Um, and then the rest you'd consider millionaires. Some have millions in the bank. Some are just worth hundreds of millions. Some just have millions in assets, whatever. You're talking about, you know, that many people. So my point is, though, is if you look at the people who are the top earners in this country, you still do not need 160,000 IRS agents. Right? You just don't. It's not necessary. Okay, not to mention, the problem with the tax code wasn't because taxes weren't being collected. It was the code was simply just too complicated. The only reason to need that many IRS agents is because you're not planning on going after the millionaires and billionaires. You're planning on going after the middle class. You're planning on going after the outspoken people. That's it. It's a weaponization. We saw this during the Obama administration. We saw the IRS under his administration suddenly tar target conservative nonprofits, right? They were going after the Tea Party. They're going after a few others, right? They're going after their tax filing status. Why? Because the Constitution's pretty clear, okay? When someone's outspoken, you really cannot control what they're saying, right? You will be rejected, tarred and feathered, and kicked out of town no matter what political affiliation you are if you go around and try and tell people what they can and cannot say. But if you get them in trouble a different way, this is how totalitarian governments are even built, right? You pass so many laws and regulations, you essentially make everybody a criminal. Everybody. Okay? And then that way, when you are outspoken and you run your mouth or you say, hey, that's not right, or you organize a protest or you organize a union uh, walkout or you do something like that, they can just point at you and say, that guy. And they look at your stuff, they look at your financials, they look at whatever, and they learn about that time that you worked for your dad uh, mowing his lawn for you know, 20 bucks a pop all summer long because he was sick and in bed and couldn't take care of it himself, blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, that's unreported income. Then they look at your dad and be like, oh, you had an employee. You didn't report that. You are paying somebody. Right? Now, obviously, that's an extreme example, but you guys know what I mean. Right? Everybody is a criminal in one way or another, whether you realize it or not. Okay, here in California, you have to submit to a background check to buy ammunition. Right? How many times do you think somebody goes around and just the neighbor's like, hey, I got this old box of whatever and I don't even have a gun for it. You want it? Yeah, sure. Technically, that's illegal. Right? There's so many laws on the book, it's, it's almost impossible not to break a law all the time. Now, imagine if you're under somebody's magnifying glass. That's my theory. I mean, maybe I'm just putting on the tinfoil hat right now, but if you really want to reduce inflation in this country, you don't need to double the amount of IRS agents. Okay, inflation, again, is not caused by, um, <clears throat> by government having a lack of revenue. That's not what, what it's coming from. Okay, absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, absolutely immoral. And I'm hoping and praying that when Republicans take over in the fall, which I think they will, they can undo a lot of this stuff. Congress holds the purse strings, so I'm hoping they can reduce this budget or get rid of it. Now, here's the other part of this bill that I want to talk about. Okay. 
Um, they say they did these measures for environmental concerns, and these are always the feel-good stuff, right? Oh, we're saving the environment, we're doing this. People are like, yeah, I feel good about that. I want to save the environment too, man. Yeah, I want to do all that stuff. Okay, but let's actually look okay, at what they're trying to do. In this bill, they're trying to pay farmers not to farm. Okay? They want to restore the soil. They want climate-friendly crop rotation techniques. Okay, they want cover crops that don't even yield food, right? You just plant a certain type of flower or plant or whatever because it does something to the soil. In other words, this is a bill in an attempt to start telling farmers how to farm. Okay, first thing I want to point out is the arrogance. Okay, do you honestly think, anyone in the sound of my voice that's not a farmer or rancher, you think you know anything about farming or ranching? I don't know Jack. I know enough about farming and ranching to know that I don't know anything about it. You think the farmers who do this for a living don't know what's best? You think they don't know that sometimes they have to rip out a crop and put a cover crop in there? You think they don't know that they have to engage in uh, uh, crop rotation sometimes? I've seen it here locally for me. I've seen them plant these whole fields, these 40 acres, 30 acres, 20 acre fields, and they'll just put melons, watermelons. You know, and then, and then the farmers will come around and they'll, you know, the farm workers and stuff, and they'll give, like, my neighbors and stuff, boom, here's a, here's a free watermelon, dude. Why? Oh, well, it was a, um, it was a uh, crop rotation. So basically, you know, the farmers, they, they plant the stuff, they grow these big fields of watermelon, they don't actually have any intention of sending them to market. So they let their ranchers, you know, the, the laborers, hey, man, you guys want some watermelons? Sure, cool, take five, take six, take seven. Cool, because we're going to plow the rest. They plow it all up. They grind it into the ground. They swash the melons. Okay, it goes right into the soil. It rots. It adds nutrients to the soil. Boom, that soil is in better shape for the following year to grow alfalfa or corn or whatever they plan to do. Right? Farmers know what they're doing, is my point. Okay, they know that they are running a business. Sometimes they do things for insurance purposes. Sometimes they do things for other reasons. But the point is, is whenever a government or a central agency starts telling farmers how to farm, people start to starve. We're seeing this in Europe right now. You're not seeing big coverage on the media, but if you look for it, you're going to see farmers and stuff in, in Europe who are protesting because they're sick and tired of the government who knows nothing about farming coming to them and saying, oh, well, because of environmental concerns, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, and then when there's a shortage of, of food at the market, guess who the people blame? It's the farmers. Oh, it's their fault. It's not the politicians' fault. It's not the people who overregulated them. It's the farmers. I'm telling you, folks, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is, okay? Step one to a successful society is you protect your farmers and you let them do what they know how to do. Hey, folks, if you're like me, I get really sick and tired of spending five, seven, eight, twelve bucks every day at Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or one of these other coffee places and... Then you turn around and hear about places like Starbucks and how they treat law enforcement and how cops are getting kicked out. Well, I got a new company for you, right? If, if you're at that point where you just want to make good quality coffee from home, I want you guys to check out my new friends, 1097 Coffee. This is a law enforcement and veteran-owned local first responder-themed business. Now, I want to pull this little expert from their website, 1097coffee.com, all spelled out, no, no numbers. 1097 Coffee was created in support of our first responders. This includes our military, police, fire, 
dispatchers, emergency medical services, and our motto is support to all. If you're looking for a company that supports causes you believe in, check out 1097coffee.com and order from their either medium, dark, or dark roast selections. That's 1097coffee.com, and you could also find them on Facebook or Instagram. Now, look, this is where I'm going to twist the subject a little bit. Because everyone, if you, if you listen to conservative media at all, they're all talking about, okay, the Inflation Reduction Act and the raid on um, um, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago uh, estate, right? Uh, I'm going to get to the whole Trump thing in a minute, <clears throat> but I want to talk about something else. So everyone talks about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it's not going to help, right? Um, there's only re- one reason to have that many more IRS agents, and that's because you intend to go after other people besides the corrupt millionaires and billionaires like you pretend you are. Okay? Uh, and they're going to go after specific individuals all the time. Like, I-, I already can guarantee there's going to be a whole you know, team, oh. sorry, excuse me, of individuals who's probably committed to Elon Musk and a few others. Right? They're going to be committed to Donald Trump. Right? They're going to find some liberal IRS agents and say, hey, you hate Trump? Cool. Come join this team. Why? And that's going to come back to the whole raid thing. <clears throat> but anyways, I'll get to that in a minute. So here's what people aren't talking about. Like, how do you actually reduce inflation? What causes it? Okay. Inflation is caused by a few different things. But the biggest and easiest way to explain it is that things that are rare have more value than things that are common. Okay. This can happen with a country's currency. If you print more money, you decrease the value of that money because it suddenly becomes less rare. Right? It becomes more common. Okay? <clears throat> so when you spend things like a trillion dollars on an anti-inflation package, you're actually going to make inflation worse. Right? Because you're spending money that you don't even have, to be honest with you. Right? It's made up. The American dollar right now, frankly, has no more value than a monopoly fake money, except that we give it value. Right, we use it to exchange for goods and services. So if you if you're selling an old ATV out in front of your house, and you say that thing's worth five hundred bucks, okay, then it's worth five hundred bucks, right? For some reason, we accept that paper currency as having value. And I can take that money, I can go to the grocery store, I can go get gas, or I can do whatever. Okay, but when you spend more of that money and you treat it like it doesn't have value, then of course it doesn't, right? If you wanted to actually reduce inflation, there's two things the United States government could do right now. One, stop printing money. Okay, just stop. Right? Because that's part of what they're doing. They're printing money because they're like, oh, we have a debt to pay. Let's just print more money and throw it at it. Right? Stop printing money and actually do the opposite. What they should be doing is destroying cash. Start burning it. Right? Make the dollar more rare. Thus increasing some of its value. The other thing they should be doing is they should go back to the gold standard. Right? For every American dollar there is, there should be a dollar's worth of gold someplace that represents that dollar. Okay? That way, the American dollar's value is based off of precious metal and not based off of market. Because right now, it's based off the oil market, pretty much. Because all oil is traded internationally in dollar. And if you have countries like China and Russia that are trying to do this, 
and make it so they could direct purchase oil without using the American dollar in the international market, the American dollar will essentially collapse. It's gone. It's over. Okay. So China right now and Russia right now are both going back to the gold standard. That means they're burning cash and they're making sure they have one piece of currency for every piece of gold that they have in their country. And we should be doing the same. Okay? Let's stabilize our money by making it back by precious metal. Okay? Those are the simplest explanations. Now, an economist can sit there and break it down much better. A banker can break it down much better. Right? There are things that affect the market. My dad and I were actually just discussing this morning about the oil, right? Oil industry. Because everything runs off oil industry, right? Oil is what makes the world go round. Everything. So if the price of fuel increases, everything else increases, right? Your gallon of milk at the store will be more expensive because oil went up. Not just because of the, the amount of cost to bring that gallon of milk to the store, but it's also the amount of cost to bring hay and the grow hay for the dairy cow that was producing that milk, right? Diesel, let me, let me just break it down that, not to say oil, diesel makes our world go round. If diesel prices are high, your supermarket prices are high. Okay, I, I literally cannot dumb this down any more than that, right? If you still don't understand, I don't know how to help you at this point, right? Just if you still don't understand, maybe you should just keep voting Democrat. Like I, I don't know, how to, I don't know how to help you, but that's essentially the best way I could dumb it down, right? Economics 101: supply and demand. You have too much supply, the value goes down. All right, that's I, I don't know how else to explain it, but passing a trillion dollar bill in Congress. Right, which is just adding more to the national debt, adding more spending, adding 86,000 employees to the IRS so they can just take more of your money. Okay, None of that's going to do us any good. None of that's going to solve our problems. None of that's going to lower the cost at the fuel pump. Just keep that in mind. Right. In fact, I want you to keep that in mind in November because that's when it's going to matter. All right. And right now, if you have a Republican congressman or, or congresswoman or Republican representative, you should be on the phone with them, sending them letters, doing what you can, saying, hey, when you guys have the opportunity, I want to see these changes. I want to see this crap fixed. You hold the purse strings. You make sure these things are happening. Right? All right, now let me switch gears to the other big story this week, all right? So Donald Trump tweets out, right? He doesn't have Twitter, right? He puts out, he, he releases a statement saying that the, the FBI conducted a pre-dawn raid on his Mar-a-Lago estate. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. And I'm only going to try and do it in five or ten minutes because I'm not going to spend all day on this because, again, this has been dominating the news cycle for a while. And so, but essentially they, they serve a warrant before dawn on his estate for a safe that allegedly has confidential or classified documentation that Donald Trump carried with him from the White House. Okay, so let's unpack a lot of this because one, let's look at the, uh, the face value. Okay, you served a search warrant on a former president of the United States for a confidential document that you believed was in a safe. In order for you to even get that warrant, you would have to have some very dependable information that A, that document exists, and B, that it's in that safe. The other thing about search warrants is they have to be very specific. Okay, so you can't just say I'm writing a search warrant for a house. You have to say I'm writing a search warrant for the house, the garage, the vehicles, the shed, the safes. 
And on top of that, if you're looking for something specific, you can only search for things that could actually fit that item, right? So if you think, hey, I think this guy has a stolen car in his garage, I'm going to write a search warrant. Cool. You're not going to find a stolen car in the guy's kitchen drawers, right? You're looking for a stolen car. So you're not going to be digging through his drawers. You're not going to be looking in his closet upstairs. You're not going to be looking underneath the stairs in his, in his house. You're not going to be looking in it. You're going to be looking in his garage, his backyard, underneath the tarp, maybe in a big shed or a large uh, detached garage or something like that, right? Because that's where stolen cars are kept. Okay, here's the other thing about search warrants. If you're serving a search warrant for one thing and you find something else, which is perfectly within the parameters of the search warrant, boom, that's yours too. So let's say, hey, I think that guy has a stolen car in his garage. Neighbor saw it. They even gave me the last three of the plate. Sounds like it's there. I have dependable information. I have enough for a warrant. I go write my warrant, take it to a judge. Judge looks at it and says, yes, I think you do have probable cause to search that person's house and essentially violate the Fourth Amendment rights. Okay, so he signs the warrant. Now I have the power to violate this person's Fourth Amendment rights. I go to their house, <clears throat> knock. Please search warrant. Please search warrant. Right, you do your thing. We have a warrant. Come to the door now. Blah, blah, blah. They come to the door. You serve them their copy of the warrant. Thank you. We have a warrant. We're going to come serve it. Okay, step aside. Boom. You go into the garage. You find the stolen car. Cool. Oh, look. There's 30 pounds of uh, methamphetamine right there. Stacked up next to the car. There's 30 pounds of cocaine. Right? Oh, there's a bunch of illegal weapons. Cool. Those are mine, too. Because I was within the parameters of my search warrant, and boom, I just found a bunch of cool stuff. Right, so not only will the person go to jail for possession of stolen property, possibly stealing the car if you can prove that he actually stole it and not just holding on to it, and then of course he can go to jail for everything else you find. Now the other thing about that too is you find the cocaine and you're like, oh, looks like he's manufacturing cocaine. We're going to freeze this whole scene and get a second warrant. Now because now we're looking for more drug paraphernalia, we're going to serve that and now we can go upstairs because before we couldn't go upstairs because there's no stolen cars upstairs. Now we can go upstairs. Now we can go in the basement. Now we can check the closets, all that stuff because now we think he's manufacturing drugs. Cool, blah, blah, blah. That's my theory with this. The ultimate goal when it comes to Donald Trump is to try and keep him from running for office again because this whole Biden administration has been nothing but a big fat I told you so from the Republicans and Donald Trump. So it's pretty much in the cards or expected unless there's something like an exceptional amount of fraud that happens that Donald Trump will likely run again and he'll likely win because this whole Democratic administration has been nothing but a big giant poop show. Okay, so if they can keep him from running, they will. And the way they can do it is to find some sort of criminal charge on him that disqualifies him from running and holding public office. Because if it was anybody else, they could have just called and said, hey, by the way, we're missing a confidential document. Do you have one in your safe? It was believed to be there last time it was accounted for. Oh, yeah, you know what? I do have that. Come get it. Here's a secure courier. You know what? You know, uh, Secret Service is already on scene. Boom, we'll have someone send it to you guys. Right? Or send somebody to come grab it. Right? Anybody else? Sure. Because really, there's no reason for Donald Trump to hold on to any of that, and I think he knows it. And if this was a document that would harm him, he wouldn't have it in a safe at home. He would have destroyed it. Right? At least that's what I would have done. Right? I mean, none of it makes sense. The only thing that really makes sense is if it was politically motivated. Right? We want to keep Donald Trump from running again for office. Okay, how do we do that? We catch a case on him. Let's find something. Oh, he has this confidential document. Did he actually have one? I don't know. 
they won't release the warrant. And the warrant is going to be basically be read like a report that's going to explain, yeah, we had this informant tell us that they saw this document and it was known to be here. And here's the other thing about documents. Documents could be on a thumb drive. Right? So if he had a secure encrypted thumb drive with his document and he kept it in a safe, thumb drives get really small, which means you're serving a warrant not just on the house, not just on the safe, but in every drawer, every nook and cranny, everything. I don't know if they did or not, but they could have tossed his entire house. Right? Because if you could logically stack, put a document or a thumb drive inside something, then you can search it. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out. Okay, a lot of Republicans are out there like, oh, we got to have a hearing. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to demand answers from the DOJ, blah, blah, blah. Well, hearings don't do anything. I want to see action. Right? And that's the thing. Like, I, I have every confidence that Republicans are going to take more control in the fall. I have no confidence that they're going to turn around and do the right thing. Because we saw this before with the Obama administration. Give us the House, we can do more. Fine, we give them the House. Give us Senate, we can do more. Fine, we give them the Senate. Oh, now we need the White House. Fine, you have the House, the Senate, and the White House. And for two years, you guys had a lot of opportunity to do a lot of good, and you didn't get it done. Hey, folks, I realized the gold commercial for this was getting, well, old. So I decided it was time to re-record it. Grandma's Pantry Pocatello.com. That's Grandma's Pantry Pocatello.com. One of our oldest sponsors. It's Brian and Kim, my good friends. Uh, for all your custom jams and jellies, I have a case of them in my pantry right now. Very unique flavors. If you have guests coming and you want to just wow them with something different than your typical strawberry and grape, Grandma's Pantry Pocatello.com for your custom jam and jelly needs. pisses me off about the Trump, Trump thing. Let me, let me back up a little bit on that. So here's the thing. I like the idea that nobody in this country is above the law. I hate the idea of politicizing the law. Right? Does that make sense? So I like the idea that the FBI is willing to investigate a president, a president's son, a former president, a future president, whatever, right? I'm all about that, right? Because nobody's supposed to be above the law in this country. Okay, so if the FBI came out today, tomorrow, you know, end of the week, whatever, and said, hey, look, here's the warrant. It's unclassified, unsealed. Here's the, here's the stuff. Oh. This is what we thought we were going for. This is what we thought we were looking for. Okay. Um, this, is, this is what it was. Like, if it came out and was just a pure criminal investigation against Donald Trump, I would support it. Why? Because nobody is against the law. I just do not believe it was. Right, I strongly believe that this was politicized, just like every other conservative commentator does. Right, everyone realizes it, and frankly, I think the American people realize it. Right, it's unsettling. It's unsettling. This is the kind of stuff that happens in third world countries. Right, some dictator is running for quote re-election, and suddenly his uh, opponent gets arrested. Suddenly his opponent gets assassinated. Suddenly his opponent dies from mysterious causes, and the dictator gets re-elected. Right? This was the whole reason why Donald Trump did not go after Hillary Clinton as he promised. They said he was going to put her in prison. Why? Because it just looks bad. Right? We're not a third world country. 
It looks bad when you go after your political opponents and do these vengeful tactics and you use the law as your own personal weapon to go against your political opponents, right? It's just wrong, okay? The White House claims they knew nothing about it. I think that's a lie, okay? I think uh, the Department of Justice had to know about it. I think the head of the FBI had to know about it. If you're going to make a raid on a former president's house, everybody had to know, right? All the heads had to know what was about to happen and why. The other interesting part is the federal judge that signed the warrant. Okay, now in theory, if you take a warrant to a federal judge and he rejects it and you go to the next federal judge and says, hey, hey, will you try it, or any judge, you're supposed to disclose that the former judge, or that the warrant was already rejected by another judge. Okay, you're supposed to disclose that. So there's a lot of unanswered questions, is my point, right? Could it be legit? Sure. Is it likely legit? No. Is it likely politically motivated? Probably. Okay, but if it's legit, go ahead and put the stuff out. Right? Be transparent. If Donald Trump was in this shenanigans, if he was holding on to some documentation for some crazy reason um, that was considered classified, I, let's put it out there. Let's figure it out. I don't necessarily need to know what's in the document, but give me all the other evidence. Right? Let's figure this out. But what pisses me off, too, about this whole thing is who wasn't raided by the FBI. For example, Hunter and Joe Biden. Right? The FBI has been in possession of Hunter's laptop since 2019, which contains evidence that Hunter used Joe Biden's position to conduct lucrative foreign business deals. Remember, Hunter Biden was one of his deals was he was on the board for some Ukrainian gas company making $86,000 a month. And according to emails found in his laptop, they were, quote, setting aside half for the big guy. Okay, without going into all the details and doing an entire show about this and boring you guys with all this, Essentially, the conclusion that's been established is that Hunter Biden was using his dad's position to secure big deals and to make a ton of money, and, and Joe Biden was using his position to get his son big jobs in exchange for getting a cut. This included Joe Biden's brother and a few others as well. Right? Let me get you this big job. Let me get you this, this thing here. And, you know, half goes to the big guy. Right? Not to mention all the recent stuff that came out when his phone got hacked. And you show him um, hanging out with Russian prostitutes, paying them absurd amounts of money, smoking crack, doing all these other things. Okay, not to mention there was him um, painting things and selling them to Russian oligarchs, which we all know is just an effort to cover up. Um, um, it's, it's an effort to wash money. Right, that's what it is. Hey, you want me to do this favor for you? Fine, I'll do this favor for you. I'll get my dad to do this favor for you. I'll get the State Department to do this favor for you. And you're going to pay me $130,000 to do it, but you're not going to pay me directly because then I have to declare it, explain where it came from, blah, blah, blah. And instead, I'm going to sell you this crappy painting I did. Let me, let me do this crappy painting here. See, look, I painted. Look, at look, there's a little flower, a little bush. That bush is going to be our secret. Um, and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Cool. Here, buy this painting for me for $120,000. And suddenly, you'll have your favors. Right? That's, that's exactly what it is. Okay, art is the biggest sham in the planet because it doesn't really hold any value except for what someone's willing to pay for it. Right? It's crazy. Um, so no, Hunter Biden was not raided by the FBI. Hillary Clinton has never been raided by the FBI. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton mishandled classified information on a private server. She likely used to hide efforts to use her office to raise money for her family's foundation. Uh, she was infamously excused by the FBI. Nobody ever raided her. Again, what about all the Russian hoaxers? I mean, that will end up being a bunch of crock. 
Nobody's going to look at that? Guess not. Uh, James Clapper and John Brennan, right? They did some shenanigans and deep state kind of related stuff. They never got raided. Adam Schiff's never been raided. Kamala Harris, as the country reeled from riots in the summer of 2020, Senator Harris called on supporters to bail out rioters. You think that's not some sort of, I don't know, criminal in some way? Inappropriate? Black Lives Matter, amid evidence that the left-wing group has been abusing its charity status, even liberals stated issued warnings to the group. But through the movement scope of, of, basically through all that crap, the FBI has yet to do anything about it, or the DOJ. Right? You have people who are in charge of Black Lives Matter, the organization, buying their fifth mansion. You know, employing family members. Oh, he's my security. My nephew here is my security, making $200,000 a year. You think something shady is not happening over there? Okay, James Comey and Andrew McCabe, they're in some shenanigans. I mean, the list goes on, right? There's plenty of stuff that the FBI could have looked at that is more serious than going after a former president for some confidential document that I seriously doubt was even in his safe in the first place. Like I said, I want to see the warrant because the warrant is going to state not only how they got the information, they have to basically say that the information was credible in some way, like it was recently seen there or it was last accounted for there or whatever it was, Okay. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, I don't know what America we're living in right now. It's just nuts, right? Where it's the obvious corruption's getting ignored and the corruption from the political party that's not in charge is the one that's suddenly being investigated. And it goes back to this whole 86,000 IRS agents. Right? You think more people are not going to be audited? You think more people aren't just going to get in trouble for nonsense? Because they misfiled something, because they did their math wrong, because they mowed their neighbor's lawn and then declare twenty dollars of income. Seriously, folks, if if we don't fix this stuff every election for the next two or three elections, we're we're going to have a problem. Get on the phones with your representatives, Democrat or Republican, I don't care. Get on the phones with them, figure it out, tell them what you need to see. Gears, I'm going to tell you guys a story that you probably haven't heard about, okay? So, a while back, we had some good news. Uh, if you guys remember Chesa Bodine, he was the district attorney of San Francisco. Um, he pushed these far-left issues. He was, um, his campaign was funded a lot by um, some far-left progressive um, morons, and he um, basically had no business being a DA whatsoever. Uh, he had some controversial ideas when he became DA. He, he tried to eliminate cash bail. You know, and he offered criminals a stint in rehabilitation rather than facing jail time. You know, so anyways, he ends up getting recalled by the people of San Francisco, which is actually pretty amazing because he's a far leftist and San Francisco is typically known for far left politics. So when the far left starts eating their own, then you know, you know, it's the beginning of the end. So anyways, he gets recalled. Um, Brooke Jensen, Jenkins, Jen, ugh, Brooke Jenkins, his successor, um, takes over, right? And one of the first things she does is she revokes 30 plea deals, um, offers for drug cases facilitated by Bodine. Right? She takes 30 of his cases and reduces them. So here's, here's what's going on. Let me just break this down so I'm trying to read this boring article to you guys. So 
San Francisco has suffered about 1,500 uh, drug-related overdoses. Okay? Bodine was not going after these drug dealers. Simple as that. Because she comes in, she revokes like 30 of these plea deals that were pending. Boom. No, we're not doing that. You're a drug dealer. You're committing felonies. You need to go to prison. Get out of my city. Right? And that should have been the approach from the whole time. Right? You're a troublemaker in my city. Get out. Okay? I mean, that, that's simple. Because here's, here's what happened in California. See, when I first started as a cop many, many years ago, um, simple drug possession of certain hard drugs was a felony. Right? So if you had a usable amount of meth, which could just be a little grain of it, boom, you committed a felony. If you had a usable amount of heroin, boom, that was a felony. If you had a usable amount of cocaine, that was a felony. A usable amount of fentanyl, boom, that's a felony, right? That's what that is. And now here's the beauty about that. Now, a felony, by definition, typically means that you, your minimum sentence is more than a year, so you get sent to state prison. And a lot of people took that approach and said, hey, look, uh, drug possession, drug use is more of a disease. Um, there's no point in sending people to state prison. However... Here's what they didn't realize is almost nobody actually went to state prison for it. They took plea deals, and these plea deals usually included probation or parole, or usually probation on the county level, minimal sentencing of jail time, and then you had conditions. And these conditions included NA or AA meetings. In other words, you had to go to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting or an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, right? And, you know, you might spend like a week in jail or whatever it was, and that was about it, right? You complete the terms of your probation, you get off, you get off easy, the other thing that would happen that people don't realize would happen was a patrol cop like me would come along, I'd catch you with your little pipe, your little usable amount of meth, and say, hey, give me three and you'll go free. Okay, a lot of them knew what that meant. Because everyone that uses drugs doesn't have one drug dealer, they usually have multiple. Okay, because the ultimate goal was to, come to get rid of the drug dealers out of a neighborhood. Right? Drug dealers and gangsters are what make a bad neighborhood a bad neighborhood. If you can eliminate them out of the neighborhood, then you can clean up your neighborhood really fast. Okay? So you catch these drug dealers and say, hey, look, you're looking at felony charges, probation. You're not going to have freedom for three years because probation terms are usually about three years long. Okay? Or you can give me three legitimate dealers right now, go work with my undercover agents, undercover cops, the narcotics guys, and we won't file these charges against you. And sometimes they will take the deal. Right, they would become a snitch. Right now, snitch usually has a bad term with it. I'll tell you right now, snitches are the bravest people I know. Right, they're the ones who are actually trying to clean up their neighborhoods. But essentially, they'd become a snitch because if you had a felony charge to hold over them, it was a lot easier to convince them to turn on their dealers. When they decriminalized a lot of that stuff and they made them misdemeanors, suddenly we weren't taking them to jail anymore. We didn't have felonies to hold over them anymore. We were writing them tickets and sending them on their way. Suddenly, there was no more punishments, not a serious punishment. As a result, we couldn't find the drug dealers as easily. As a result, we didn't have people to testify or snitch on their drug dealers. As a result, we could not clean up the neighborhoods anymore. San Francisco has seen 1,500 drug overdoses. Okay, where I work, we've seen our fair share as well. This was the result of decriminalization. Now, I understand the mindset behind it, right? Because, yeah, it's a highly addictive disease, right? It's a highly addictive substance. It's tre treated and should be treated like a disease, right? But you can't force people into programs unless you have something to hold over them, 
right? I always said you can only help people who are willing to help themselves. And unless these people are willing to help themselves, they're going to continue to be drug addicts. They're going to continue to do dangerous activities. They're going to continue to overdose. They're going to continue to rob, cheat, and steal to try and get money to buy drugs. All right? And your neighborhoods are going to continue to be bad. San Francisco saw this firsthand. They're, they're kind of a, uh, a micro example of this, but we're seeing it statewide. We're seeing it everywhere. Okay? It didn't work. Okay? Minimizing drug charges did not work, and now we have a much more homeless population because of it. Because every homeless person I come across has some sort of substance abuse issues. That's why they're there. That's the only reason why they're there. In fact, let me tell you something. Let's talk about homelessness for a second here. Okay? I, I do this example with people. Anyone who starts going to bat for homeless, oh, they can't help it, they can't do this. Or, <clears throat> let's go to an example. What would it take? Okay, walk with me on this one. What would it take for you to be homeless? Right? To be completely homeless. Let's say, let's say you work, you bought your own house, life's good, you pay your bills, you work, you're middle class. What would it take for you to be homeless? Step one, you'd have to lose your job. Right? Then you'd have to drain through your savings, if you have any. You have to max out your credit cards or anything, trying, trying to keep stay afloat. Then you'd lose your house. You, hopefully you could sell it in time, but if not, you'd lose your house. And then uh, you would have to have no parents or no relationship with your parents. You'd have to have no friends. Right? In order to be homeless, you'd have to burn every single bridge in your life. Nobody willing to take you in. Nobody willing to let you crash on their couch. Nobody willing to help you out. Because you burnt all those bridges. I just need a little money for cash. You go buy drugs. Right? If you show up at my nephew's birthday party, you better be sober. Oh, nope, you showed up drunk. Right? Every single one of those bridges gets burnt. Okay? It's very rare you come across somebody who's homeless because society just cast them out and they had a bad run of luck. In fact, I've never seen it. And I've contacted hundreds, if not thousands, of homeless people. I've never seen it. They all have some sort of mental health or substance abuse issues or a, substance, or a mental health issue brought on by substance abuse. Okay, I've done it. I've done these sweeps with these homeless cops, or not homeless cops, but you know, cops that focus on homeless, extending services and stuff. I've done these full sweeps. We've contacted 112 people in one day, and I think about five of them accepted services. Sometimes these people only speak one language. And sometimes the only way you're going to get them off the street and give them opportunities to actually do what's right is if you hold something over them that's going to force them to do it. And sometimes it's just as easy as a felony charge. Got a meth pipe on you? Oh, you have a disease. Guess what? You're going to jail. Now you're going to face a judge. Now the judge is going to tell you you're on probation for three years and you better take care of these programs. You better get clean. Go find a job. Get housing assistance. The opportunities are there. Right? Almost every county in the United States has some sort of job assistance and housing assistance. In fact, I don't know of county that doesn't, one degree or another. Blue states or red states. So yeah, you, you think about that. Right? Next time you're having that argument about those homeless people and how much they need help and how much they need all this stuff, okay? remember, you can only help those who want to help themselves. And I promise you, for every homeless person you see, there's probably a dozen bridges that got burnt that led them to where they're at. Okay, And if you have someone that you love in your life that dealing with uh, drug and alcohol abuse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
You try and help them. You try and love them. You try and show them that they're wanted. But they can't always kick those habits. And you hope and pray that they hit rock bottom and that they come back and they ask for help and they actually take it seriously and they do what they're supposed to be doing. But they don't always do it. And it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing to watch. It's a hard thing to hear about. Okay? And it's a hard thing to prevent. But anyways, all right, look. <clears throat> this whole podcast has just been so dark and blah, 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 and I've just been kind of on my own soapbox, kind of getting all riled up about stuff. So let me, let me change the subject. So you guys remember Terminator 2? Okay. Remember the opening scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets sent from the future and he appears and he's naked and he walks into a biker bar and he finds someone who's about his right size and he says, give me your clothes. And the guy's like, ha, huh, no way. And then they start a fight and he ends up beating them all up and stealing the guy's clothes anyways. And he walks around in really cool looking leathers for the whole movie. Uh, apparently it happened in real life. Only it happened in Florida. A naked Florida man who was armed with a machete uh, allegedly tried to steal somebody else's clothes. So yeah, uh, that's Florida for you. Apparently, basically what happens is this guy's working there. He's, he's a surveyor. He's doing his job. All of a sudden, this dude comes out of the woods, and he's carrying a machete. He's naked. He demands. Um, he basically tells him, I want your clothes, your wallet, and your phone. And the guy actually starts to comply, and then for some reason, the crazy, he just throws a machete at him, throws some palmetto berries at him, and uh, takes off in the woods, just runs away. So I don't think this one was Arnold Schwarzenegger um, or any other character from the future, but... I don't know. It, it begs to differ. But here's the thing about Florida. You never really know what's going to happen. Right? I mean, I'm in crazy California, and I would not expect the man with the machete to come out naked and demand my clothes, wallet, and phone. I mean, let's be honest. I probably wouldn't be surprised if it happened, but I wouldn't expect it. In Florida, who knows? Okay? Not only would I expect that, I'd expect them to have a pet alligator during the process, too. All right. Let's see what else happened in Florida. Let's see. Uh, Florida man was buried alive in a freak sand accident. Uh, this guy built like the sand structure, was filming a sunrise, and apparently the dune collapsed on him and buried him alive. Um, that's awful and terrible. What else? Um, you know, you'd think with all the things that you know swim in the waters in Florida, you know, the snapping turtles, the pythons, the gators, uh, I would just pretty much avoid being in the water in Florida forever. Right, like Florida is just not the place where I plan to swim. Uh, even if you see some of the private swimming pools there, they have like these complete cages around them because of all the critters that can get in the water. Um, well, one Florida man had to learn this the hard way, apparently, because he was swimming in a lake <clears throat> when an alligator bit him in the face. He is recovering in the hospital, but I mean, that's I don't get that because that's not the lesson I want to learn the hard way. You know what I'm saying? Like I just I just look at Florida water and I'm like, no, no, we're good. We're good. I like swimming. Yeah, but I'm good. Good. I'll go to the hotel swimming pool. Like, I don't understand that one. Anyways, all right, I'm going to wrap it up right there, folks. This is the Serving PC. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas for future podcasts, anything like that, DTP at USA.com. That's DTP, David Tom Paul, at USA.com. Bye.